Welcome back to another episode of The Investment Club. This is your host, Leo Doctorman, with a special episode about long-term investing. Today I will teach you how to put your money to work for the long run and make sure that you have a strong financial future. Let's get started. Today we're talking about investing for the long run. And when I say the long run, I really mean the long run. As a young individual or a beginning investor, putting your money somewhere where you are willing to hold it for years or even decades up until your retirement is incredibly important, and making these financial decisions when you are young, if you realize it or not, is going to intrinsically affect the quality of your retirement and how much money you have in the future by potentially thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars. Let me explain. Just imagine for a second that you have a $10 bill. You put it on a shelf for a rainy day and don't touch it for years. When you go back to pick it up, is it still a $10 bill? Well, the answer might be a little bit more complicated than you think. You see, uh, the value of money, in fact, changes over time. Well, a $10 bill will always be worth $10, and will always have the number 10 written on it, it will not be worth as much a year later, or especially a decade later. You see, in the context of picking up that $10 bill off of your shelf, however many years later, it is not $10 in the same way you would have thought of it, uh, you know, when you said it there. Let me explain why this is true. You see, a dollar is valued by how much you can purchase with it. Money in general is only as valuable as the broader market thinks it is worth and how much you can purchase with it. Uh, I can only uh, buy so much products with $10 today, and I will be able to always buy less in the future. And the reason for this is that more money is always being printed. And thus, the overall value decreases, and uh, we can see examples of how this value of money changes differently in different parts of the world. Uh, For instance, the U.S. carefully controls the change in value, and we refer to this change as inflation. And uh, this is very important for us as investors because uh, controlling inflation can directly affect how we make our uh, investment decisions. For instance, uh, let's look at Venezuela, where the Venezuelan boulevard has recently inflated at a rate of 10 million percent, meaning it is 10 million percentage points less worthless than it was in the previous period. And that is uh, uh, insurmountable as an investor because your money decreases uh, so incredibly quickly and by such uh, an incredible amount. Well, uh, on the contrary, the U.S. keeps this rate at around 1% to 2%. That is why the U.S. dollar is so powerful in the world, because we spend a lot of uh, time and resources as a nation to make sure that our dollar stays uh, you know, uh, full of uh, similar value to previous years. But nonetheless, it is something we have to take into account. Why is this important to us as investors? Well, the reason is that uh, all of us, I assume, listening to this podcast generally interact with banks and put our our money in banks, and uh, banks are awesome. 
uh, and they serve their purpose because they are safe and they protect our hard-earned money. Banks will also pay you to keep your money there. As they utilize it uh, for investing purchases, they're actually incentivized to uh, pay you and have you put money there because uh, even if they give you a minimal amount, they are actually making money off of your money while it sits there. Uh, the problem is with banks that they generally pay well less than uh, 1% uh, interest a year. And when we compare that to the U.S. inflation rate, which can, you know, fluctuate but go between 1% to 3%, you are not meeting that. That is right. If you store all of your money in a regular bank account, you are losing value each and every year, and it absolutely adds up. And that is why investing is important. Investing is the process of not only growing your capital, which is incredibly important, but also moving it through time. It is virtually a, a, a uh, you know, time travel mechanism, if you will. It's about managing money and make, making sure that it, uh, you can control its value as it moves through time with you. For the vast majority of cash that you do not need direct access to, it should be invested in some shape or form to ensure that you not only meet this inflation rate and continue to uh, you know, create value with your money, uh, but also because you want to grow capital as a whole. You want to ensure that your money continues to amass more value because if you compare your money uh, that you do not invest to money you do invest over a period of, say, 40 years, the difference will be uh, not only massive, but uh, quite substantial in the context of retirement, and that's why it's so important. There is many different ways you can invest, and uh, it's not just pure returns uh, when we think of stocks in a traditional sense that can benefit you by employing the strategy of investing a lot and investing early and holding it there. Uh, some of you might uh, know what a dividend is, but if you do not, it is a portion of profits that a company takes uh, that is awarded to shareholders over some period of the business year. This is to incent incentivize people to buy this stock even if uh, an established company does not have you know, the booming uh, growth or increases in stock price that a younger company might. Uh, not all companies for this reason uh, do uh, dividends, but a profitable established company often will reward these shareholders rather than reinvesting it into the company. And while it is not terribly much, it absolutely adds up. And the way you utilize dividends in the most traditional sense, and what I would recommend, is you use a DRP system or a DRIP system, which is a dividend reinvestment plan. And what it does is, uh, you know, any uh, traditional stock investing platform that you use, say E-Trade, it will, uh, as soon as it gathers a dividend from the company that they pay out to you, it will reinvest it into a new share of the stock. So it compounds upon itself and it can create more value over a longer period of time. Uh, this is just another way that investments can add up over time. So uh, what should you be investing your money in to make sure that you manage it in the most efficient way? You know, there's a few different theories on what you might want to do in this situation, uh, but the general rule is that you want to invest in something stable, 
safe, but with sizable returns to ensure that you are garnering the maximum of value growth that your cash can handle. If you have a larger amount of money to invest, I would encourage you to set around 15% to the side for day trading if you so desire. Uh, for short-term short -term investments where you might uh, swing a stock or you might day trade a little bit, have a little bit of fun with it, make a little bit of uh, money for yourself in the short term, or even make a little bit of extra money that you will then invest into the lo uh, your long-run account uh, later on. But only 15%. Uh, and the reason why that is is because you want to preserve the vast majority of your cash and move it through time for uh, you know a point where you actually need it. And because there is so little you know labor and effort that goes into uh, investing for the long run, and uh, you know your money just kind of sits there and amasses a lot of value by itself. It's, it's really quite a good system to create value rather than the labor-intensive uh, short-term trading if you really don't know what you're doing. Uh, and what I would generally tell you that the smartest, if not funnest, thing to do with your money is to put it into boring old mutual funds and ETF. This is um, what my recommendation would be if you are investing solely for long-term purposes and you want to do as little research as possible. Uh, what a mutual fund or ETF is, is it is a mechanism to expose you to many different companies and to help you reduce risk. A mutual fund is virtually an actively managed basket of stocks. And what that means is that they are grouped uh, you know, a, 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 you could take a grouping of some sort of companies uh, by a sort of theme, uh, or by a size of a company or a sector, just some commonly shared item among stocks, and a, this um, mutual fund company will gather them and sort of divide up this new uh, investment product for people to invest in. For instance, I might be interested in tech stocks, uh, but I do not trust myself to choose only a few. So I can invest in a tech mutual fund which might hold dozens of tech companies, and then this mutual fund will then uh, be willing to sell me as many shares as I want of uh, this basket of tech stocks. So I can be, I can have a diversified uh, amount of companies to reduce my risk. And this is incredibly important. When we're talking about investing, reduction of risk is really the name of the game. If I put $1,000 into one company, for instance, and it does poorly, I have lost a lot of value. If I put $1,000 into a mutual fund holding that company, uh, you know, the poor performance of that company is not going to hurt me as much because it is masked by various other well-performing stocks. Uh, when you diversify your risk... Uh, you, there is less chance that a large amount of companies will do poorly versus one company doing poorly. Uh, and we actually have uh, in you know the financial wor world uh, terminology for this, so it might be helpful to know. A risk with an individual stock is called non-systemic risk. And uh, this non-systemic risk is incredibly easy to get rid of. When you diversify, you can virtually get to zero non-systemic risk. 
And now when we talk about non-systemic risk, there are tons of examples. You can think about, say, a CEO dying, or perhaps a fire at the headquarters, or perhaps a, a worker strike that is not affecting the entire industry, but just this one company. Uh, this risk is non-systemic, not part of the system. It is unique to one company, and it can uh, hurt investors of that particular stock. But it will not have nearly as much effect on a mutual fund holding this stock as it is balanced out by other uh, well-performing companies. And now you have mutual funds, uh, but you also have ETFs, which are a similar context. A concept, but for all intents and purposes, um, they might be a better choice for young investors with less money for a few different reasons. You see, the difference between them are mutual funds are purchased in a more direct man a manner from the company running them. And this has uh, certain benefits and issues, but an issue that we can see is that it incurs a large minimum investment and perhaps hefty fees for purchasing it. A lot of large mutual funds uh, will ask you for a minimum investment of two to three thousand dollars, which is not uh, something that many young or beginning investors can, uh, you know, risk or even have at this age. Uh, regulations will also heavily penalize selling uh, a mutual fund within a set time frame. Uh, so if you needed to get some emergency money out in a short period of time, you would be heavily penalized by the government for this. ETFs, on the other hand, trade like a more traditional stock. They are less actively managed meaning that uh, you know uh, an individual working for a mutual fund company might buy or sell stocks on a daily uh, scale to make sure that uh, the right balance of stocks are there and that uh, the best companies are owned. Uh, while on the other hand, an ETF will generally just buy a bunch of stocks that they think will do well and will just hold it and not touch it. The benefit of this is that they do not have fees associated with them or very low fees, while a mutual fund will charge you, uh, albeit minimal, but it can add up, for the for really the service of having their management team determine what stocks to put in your basket that you are already holding. Uh, many times, ETFs perform generally just as well as mutual funds, if not better. The only instance where a mutual fund is generally preferable is if you like a particular manager or management team and you think that they are going to do good things or you really like the basket of stocks that they are holding. ETFs being traded like a more traditional stock is really, really a, a, a beneficial thing for a lot of people because it is so easy to just access it and access that money at really any given point in time. Let me give you some examples of what you might look for when we are investing in these certain things. Uh, perhaps you could look at uh, the first ETF that was ever created, which is known as the SPY, the SPY. It is one of the most famous ETFs, it's one of the best performing, and it's what a lot of beginning investors just dump their money into, and it does really, really well, and I recommended it. It simply follows the S&P 500. It just uh, bought up all the co companies in the S&P 500 in a relatively uh, even manner. And uh, since its early inception in the 90s, 
it has returned an average of almost 10% a year, which is really, really good when we talk about how, you know, an actively, an actively managing trader can perhaps get uh, 15, 20% a year consistently if they're really, really good at it. Well, you can just put it in SPY, have a low management fee and get, you know, about 10% returns every year. And that's really uh, pretty good. Another ETF that I personally like, even though it's not as popular, is uh, VONG. It follows the Russell 1000, and it gives a nice basket of up-and-coming companies that I think can have great growth, but it also doesn't have huge fees associated with it. I do, in fact, hold a mutual fund uh, that I really, really like. It is the VDIGX. It has a good balance of uh, looking for companies with good potential returns, but it also invests in companies that have good dividend returns. So it will consistently provide uh, decent returns, even perhaps in a downturn. I think it is a mutual fund that will hold its value really well going into the future, and I appreciate the companies that it holds, and I appreciate the management uh, that works uh, with Vanguard, so I invested in that one. Uh, but we do have other options when we talk about long-term investing that you might determine are better for you. You might choose to invest in individual stocks, and I do recommend this strategy if it is for you. I very much subscribed to the thought process of legendary investor Warren Buffett. The key to investing well is with knowledge, because knowledge is power. Specifically, the, you have to have more knowledge than any other investor. And this is, you know, not to make it, uh, you know, a competitive like, oh, I knew before you, but this actually has a, a functional reason for existing. Uh, you have to know more than other investors because you are always inherently in competition with other traders and investors to get into stocks before they increase too high in price. If you garner information first and get in early, you are making more money because you are beating people to the uh, you know, trade or the swing. You are getting in before uh, people have determined that it is a good investment. That's why you have to know information quickly and you have to make the determinations about what information means as fast as possible. Warren Buffett would also tell you that you should find a, co a company with an unjustifiably low price and you are the first investor to find out that there is a reason for it being low and a reason why you think it could go up, then you're probably making a good decision investing in it. Uh, you would probably come to the conclusion in this instance uh, by knowing every single aspect of the company inside and out. You need to do a real, really deep dive into the complex information that the broader market has not caught onto yet. And this, in fact, is where millionaires are made. Take a look at Tesla, Amazon, Zoom investors who all knew more, inf more information faster. If you believe that you have truly found the next one of these and you are confident in your analysis, then there is nothing wrong with investing in an individual stock. You are willing to take on that non-systemic risk because you believe, because of the deep dive of information you have collected that you think it is going to do incredibly exceptionally well. And this is how you can make uh, the really big money. We're talking two, three hundred, four hundred percent over a long period of time if you find the next Tesla or Amazon. It has this large amount of non-systemic risk, but you are leveraging that risk in a way that can uh, create large amounts of 
money and really listen to Warren Buffett. He's a smart guy. I, I encourage you to read uh, his writings. I encourage you to listen to his interviews. You have to be patient. Know what you hold. Stick to your strategy and you will be fine. And uh, yeah, the key thing is just research, research, research and making decisions and interpretations of research faster. We do have uh, perhaps one more uh, area where we could put our money for the long term. These are ones that I will not recommend. These are bonds and CDs. Most people listening to my podcast are young or uh, starting out, and they have time. There is no need to lock your money up for, with such low returns. And let me tell you, uh, I'll give you context to what these things are, and you'll see why I say that. A bond is virtually issued debt from a company or government body, uh, and you know, you're sort of, in a way, or in a literal sense, loaning money to this group, and they pay you back with interest. For a bond, this is referred to as a coupon rate. Uh, the attractiveness of these uh, bond uh, products is that they are immensely safe. For instance, a U.S. bond, for all intents and purposes, will never not be paid. If it tells you it's going to be paid on a certain date, you can expect with 100% certainty that it will. Uh, but the problem is that the returns are immensely low, uh, perhaps even lower than a bank account and lower in, than inflation because they are so incredibly safe. If you take on no risk, you will be rewarded in the most minimal way possible. In fact, the only reason that these have interest at all is because there has to be you know, some motivation to loaning your money to the government. There is no risk, and none of the uh, you know, gains you would get off of this are generated from taking on risk. In addition, we have you know, CDs, which are, for all intents and purposes are very similar to a bank account, uh, but the problem is they're even worse than bank accounts because you cannot access them for a set period of time. Uh, you know, these are insured, safe, and dependable uh, products, but they have exceptionally low returns. Uh, certificates of deposit or CDs are really relatively useless for modern uh, young investors. And really why I say that is that over a long period of time, ETFs and mutual funds are just as safe and have immensely better returns. Uh, it's really just semantics at the point where you believe that a bond is safer than the market. Yes, to some degree that is true, but really in, in no period of U.S. history over a 20-year period has a, uh, you know, the market gone down. It's always going to go up because we believe in the U.S. economy and we, we understand that as populations rise and products are created and consumers are made that the economy is going to expand. Economies always expand over a long period of time, uh, barring some sort of catastrophic uh, world event. And I mean, we see COVID. Uh, the market is likely not going to remember the effects of COVID uh, in 20 years. I mean... Even, you know, looking today on January 17th of 2021, 
the market does not seem to remember COVID. It has gone up immensely. It has gained back all of its value. I generally think bonds are something that are uh, not good for young investors. It makes a lot more sense if you are closer to retirement and you, you, you have a shorter period of time, you do not have time on your side, then a bond might make sense because you really have to preserve that cash and you don't have time to wait out a downturn. You need to set up an investment plan and stick to it. And that is incredibly important because if you do not do this, you are unlikely to have a bright financial future. You need to create your plan and make sure that no matter what happens, you, uh, you know, stick to your guns. If you are willing to invest young and hold for the long run, you will make a lot of money. I am telling you this because a lot of people don't invest early and they're missing out on incredibly uh, large sums of money that could build up in the future. And this is especially troubling insofar as often this money is simply sitting in the bank and doing nothing. You want to invest in uh, the markets because they're what we refer to as liquid. You can get that money back whenever the market is open, which is most days of the year besides weekends. What I would leave you with today is that if you are smart and do your research and invest in things that you are sure are going to do well, you are guaranteed to have your money grow. And that concludes this episode of The Investment Club. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope this provided some good information to you about uh, at least thinking about making financial decisions for your future. I hope it has given you some good ideas to ruminate on and determine what investment choices are best for you and your plans. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you will share with your friends and your family. The support is very, very helpful to me, and I very much appreciate it. With that, this is Leo Docterman. Get out there and make some money.